0: I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 97, Self-Help. Today's proverb comes from Thomas Saws. I'll read it twice. People often say that this or that person has not yet found himself. But the self is not something one finds. It is something one creates. Once more. People often say that this or that person has not yet found himself. But the self is not something one finds. It is something one creates. I'd like to begin with a point that I have made before, which is that the same thing which Thomas says of the self is also true of finding your voice. Voices are not found. They are forged. They are created. They are made. Students often talk to me about finding their voice, and I say that as a writing teacher who fields writing assignments. A lot of the assignments that I give require some degree of creativity. And many students are content to simply say or write the first thing that enters their head. But there are also students that are more ambitious, who have some sense of self-awareness, and they try far-out things in these creative assignments. And when I tell them that these far out experiments haven't worked they sort of look at me sheepishly and say yes well I'm still trying to find my voice and they speak of looking for their voice as though a voice were something that could be lost in the cushions of your psyche and that they have to reach around and root around in their souls until they find their voice As though their voice were a lost set of car keys. This conception of the voice, the voice as a thing that you have to find, assumes that voice is amoral, that it's really beyond beauty or ugliness or even truth. It assumes that one voice is not better than another. But that we all have the voice that God or nature or fate or fortune bequeathed to us. And that we're stuck with it. We simply have to find it. We're stuck with our voice for life. But what happens if you find your voice and your voice is no good? What if you find your voice and you speak with your voice and you hate the very sound of your voice. Do you have to keep your voice? What happens if you find yourself and your self is a pervert? Are you stuck with that perverted self? And if you can remake yourself, why spend time looking for yourself? Who is it that goes out in search of the self? Who is it that does the looking? And who determines when the self has been found? Who but the self? Finding your voice and finding yourself are related ideas, related tasks. They are similarly fruitless. And yet they are both contemporary, enlightened ways of talking about identity. Identity. The idea that you have to find your voice, the fact that we speak of your voice as a thing which is supposedly found, simply does not make sense of the fact that most writers sound like their influences. Voices develop over time. Plenty of artists think that they have found their voice at a young age and then abandon that voice and end up doing Better, more interesting work Ten years later There are plenty of bands That think they have found their sound Four or five years in And they have one huge hit And they get sick of playing it And they go back in search of their sound I think the example I've used before Is Radiohead The band had been around for six years Before they released Creep It was a huge hit. It was a decade-defining single. And that band had every right to say, well, we finally found our sound. This is what works. This is what people love. This is really good. And Creep is a good song. Deeply feeling. But the band then gave up that sound. They gave up that voice just two years later. The lead single off of their next album, which was High and Dry off the Benz, Was the band's way of letting everyone know We're not doing Creep anymore That's not us, that's not our sound, that's not our voice Or, alternatively Creep was their voice And they didn't like it And they realized that they weren't stuck with it Either way, there's no point looking for your voice Your voice is developed You accrue influences You figure out new ways of incorporating new voices Into your writing or your music New influences for your art By the time you've matured Your voice is really nine other voices And your voice is unique It's the unique convergence of nine other voices No one else shares the same set of influences And even if they did They aren't bringing those voices to bear on your experience You are unique But you are a unique convergence of things that are not unique But all this I've said before on an episode maybe just two or three months ago The Saas quote from today is about the self, not about voice People often say that this or that person has not yet found himself But the self is not something one finds, it is something one creates A self What is a self? A self is an avatar of your whole person Yourself is not ultimately who and what you are. Yourself is a fictional creation that allows you to understand your whole person. You can't know your whole person. Your whole person is who you are and what you are over the whole length and breadth of your entire experience, which is to say that only God knows your person. Yourself is simply the image that you create of your whole person based on what little you know about your person, based on how little you can remember about your person. Yourself affects your person and your person affects yourself, but a man's whole person is always beyond the reaches of his self. You will never understand your whole person, not in this life at least. In this way, a man's self, which is created, it's constructed, as Saul says, is sort of a guess at what your whole person is. Or it's your ambitious claim. It's your desire for what you want your whole person to be. Your self can be either your claim about what you are or your claim about what you want to be. And in this sense, the self is performed, but if it's performed, it's created. You cannot directly change your person You can't step outside of your person And affect your person from an objective standpoint Which means that any adjustments that you make to your person Are done from the inside, from the subjective point of view You'll always be inside the house of your own person You'll never get, you'll never get outside the house of your person Your self is just the interior decorating that you do inside the house of your person. Again, this is all to say that the self is changeable. And if the self is changeable, then I don't think there's a point in speaking about finding it. The self is changeable. People try on many selves, we create many selves. Children and teenagers understand this concept quite well Maybe just teenagers I think it's people in their 20s and 30s that lose sight of it You lose sight of the fact that the self is a creation for a time And then you come back to it Teenagers especially, my students understand That the self is an act of creation That's because teenagers are actively involved In the creation of Their selves you can see it happen as a teacher. I see it happen Now they're confused by this task But they know that they are involved in the creation of something significant related to their own person There's a temptation when you're a teenager To construct yourself based entirely on the effect That you believe that self will have So, for example, let me sort of explain that claim. I've taught creative writing on several occasions in the past. I don't consistently teach it. But when I teach creative writing, one of the first stories I begin with is James Joyce's A Painful Case. And A Painful Case is about Mr. James Duffy. And this is a short story I've spoken about uh, several times in the show. I think there's an episode called James Duffy. The first four paragraphs on Mr. James Duffy describe, first paragraph, what he looks like, second, where he lives, what his apartment looks like. Third paragraph describes what he does every day, and the fourth paragraph describes what he believes. And so before we make it into the story, I ask students to create an imitation of the first four paragraphs of a painful case. You're going to create a person. You're going to create a character. And you're going to describe your character the way that James Joyce describes James Duffy. And this is a, typically this is a first assignment. This is a first two or three week sort of assignment. I open with a painful case. You can learn a lot about human beings by asking them to write a character sketch. You learn a lot about what people think a person is. By asking them to create a person. You assume, everyone assumes that everyone knows what a person is. We assume everyone knows and agrees on what a personality is. But when you ask somebody to construct another person, you learn just how ambiguous the concept of personhood or personality is. I wish that everyone could be a writing teacher for a year. I wrote an article for Cersei about this recently. I wish everyone could have the sort of mind-blowing experience of teaching writing to a class of people that are 10 years younger than you. Like, if you're 40, I'd love for you to be able to teach a class to a bunch of 30-year-olds. If you're 30, teach a writing class to a bunch of 20-year-olds. 20, teach a writing class to a bunch of 15-year-olds. The things that you figure out about people when you ask them to create something by way of writing. Really fascinating. So create a four-paragraph imitation of Joyce is a painful case. What teenagers all do, not what all of them do, what most of them do, is they veer off towards extremes. They think, all right, I have to create a person. I have to create a personality. I want to make them interesting. I will give them some sort of extreme personality. And so the people that they tend to create, the characters that they create, the selves, are either the smartest person in the world or the richest person in the world or the meanest person in the world. And everything about the personality is supposed to revolve around this one central extreme theme. When you're a teenager Only extremes are interesting Or Not only extremes But the teenager is more apt to find extremes interesting Than say somebody in their 40s or 50s Like if you take an old man To an IMAX film He's just going to complain the entire time It's too loud It's too fast It's too colorful The ladies' skirts are too short He's going to be Upset by the extremes, but when you're young, extremes are fascinating. Extremes are easy to find interesting. Your eye naturally gravitates towards extremes. If you're allowed to create a person, then why would you not create the most interesting person that you could? And what's more interesting than extremes? And so all these students turn in these character sketches about people with extreme personalities. As an adult, though, I think this is actually true of teenagers, too. What interests us about extreme people is not actually their extremities, but what is mundane or common about them. What we want to know about people who live in the extreme is what is average to them or average about them. Because we want to find ourselves in those people. Most students who think that extremities are interesting or who write extreme characters don't necessarily live that idea out. Many students who assume or who create extreme personalities in this writing assignment themselves have mild personalities. Some students who think extremities are interesting do live that out, though. And when a Teenager lives out the belief that Extremities are interesting What you have is a class clown You can learn a lot about Personality from a class clown You may notice the class clown Sort of dies out when class dies out Like there's no clown who works At the Midas Break shop The class clown is a Stock character The class clown is a stock character The law firm clown is not a thing. The seminary clown is not a thing. There's a guy who's funny, but there's a difference between being funny and being the class clown. The class clown is a stock character. Funny is a thing that many people can sort of be, but class clown is an extreme personality. It's an an extremely contrived personality. The class clown has this very clear understanding of the fact that the self is created. Because the class clown is sort of a fake personality, a mask, a very fake-looking mask that's tried on for a time in high school. Often enough, the class clown is just a weirdo. That's the mask. That's the persona. Weirdo. And it's so weird, we don't entirely buy that it's authentic. In his short story, Animals, the young comedic writer Simon Rich gives the example of a class clown who, during roll call, says, not here, as opposed to saying here, when the teacher calls his name. In another scene in that story, during a lesson, this is a third grade lesson, the teacher says, there are nine planets in the solar system, which one do we live on? And the class clown shouts, Mars! And Simon Rich writes, The other children howl uproariously. This is what passes for wit among them, the basic substitution of one word for another. I was recently discussing this with my friend John Paul, and he commented that the class clown always has a good sense of rhythm. Class clown always knows what is expected, and when his own part is required in the continuation of that rhythm, he does anything he can to throw the rhythm off. That's how class clowns work. They know what's expected. They have an acute sense of what is expected, and they simply do something other than what is expected. What planet do we live on? Everyone knows the answer, and so the class clown shouts... Anything but the answer. Like when you step on an elevator, everyone faces the door. The class clown thinks it's funny to face away from the door, to face all of the people in the elevator while they face the door. But only if everyone else is doing what is expected as well. The class clown treats a self like a creation. But the class clown tends to be overly aware of the created aspect of the self, And when someone is overly aware or overly attentive to the created aspect of the self, they seem fake to us. Instead of saying something interesting, the class clown says something random. And it covers over a lack of having anything truly compelling to say. If you don't have something that will call attention to yourself for its profundity you say something that will call attention to yourself because of its stupidity of course class clown's not the only self to be in high school not the only stock character there are jocks and bullies and goths and nerds and losers and gamers and a dozen other kinds of selves that you can form yourself into Each self requires a change in vocabulary, a change in clothing. This is really trying selves on. No one sticks with these selves, or almost no one sticks with them. They very quickly, any self that you hastily construct comes to seem fake to you. And that's because you remember the moment when you decided to put it on. It's hard to respect. It seems arbitrary. At the same time, if you, could, if you picked nerd as a self-to-be in high school and you could stick with nerd for the next eight years, it would slowly become real. The thing is, there are too many separate stages of life that we pass through in the first 25 years of life. And so it's hard to stick with a self through all those ups and downs It's too easy and too convenient to reinvent yourself at each stage In college though, the idea of finding yourself starts to make sense Because you've seen so many selves hastily constructed And then hastily abandoned You think, that's not what a self is There must be something beyond self-reinvention. It's too easy. And so, self-discovery. People in their 20s talk about self-discovery all the time. And maybe 30s. I think by the time you're in your 40s or 50s, no one's really talking about self-discovery. Finding yourself almost always involves taking a few shots in the dark. Finding yourself often simply means That you go around telling a lot of people I'm trying to find yourself I'm trying to find myself And I'm waiting It's an anxious Interesting thing to say I'm trying to find myself Oh, well, good luck No one goes out looking for themselves though Not the way that you go out looking for a set of car keys You just keep melodramatically saying I don't know who I am I'm on a search here I'm a broken person. Being a broken person is romantic. It's honest. The occasions where people go out to find themselves, like think of all the occasions where people are actively claiming, I need to go find myself. I need to do this thing that other people are are doing and find myself in it. The sorts of occasions where people are going out to find themselves are often the same events where people go to lose themselves or be themselves. Ten people who put tickets to Coachella on their credit cards and go out to the desert to do drugs and sleep around might all describe the same experience in three different ways. I'm going to find myself. I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to be myself. The lost self is a tangle of confusion. More often than not, the lost self is nothing more than an excuse. Most people forget to look for themselves after their 20s or 30s because the most significant choices that they have made to marry, what career to enter into, having kids, what God to serve, what religion to serve, have all slowly taken root. Let me say that again. Most people quit looking for themselves after their 20s or 30s because the most significant choices they have made have slowly taken root. Root, And by your 30s or 40s, you realize that a good deal of who you are is what you are. And what you are is a husband or a wife or a lawyer or a senator or a teacher or a baker or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or a Lutheran. That's what you are, but that's also who you are. Those things sink down into your soul. And a good deal of what you are is chosen. Not every aspect of who you are or what you are is chosen. But after your late 20s, after you have accrued some things that you are afraid to lose... After you have decided that a life of excitement is a liability to you and that a life of stability is more interesting because a stable life will allow you to keep the good things that you have slowly accrued, after that point, you're not interested in finding who you are, finding yourself. You know who you are and you know who you are because you know what you are.